0: Hello, this is Father Mike Walker of Father Mike's Podcast, Father Mike's Bible Study Podcast, and the Catholic Combine, the pastor of St. Cecilia Catholic Church in Beaverton, Oregon. If you would like more information about the parish or the podcast, please feel free to email me at frmikewalker at gmail.com. And now, today's podcast. So Mount Angel Seminary had a a world-famous basketball tournament. And uh, with the 100 Seminarians that we had, uh, we decided that we were going to put on this tournament. And uh, considering all the rages and age and ability, uh, as you might expect, we didn't necessarily have the best teams, and we didn't really have the most knowledgeable teams. Uh, So to give you a bit of an example of this, uh, since they couldn't find any referees, they decided that they would appoint me to be the referee and then there was another person that they appointed to be a referee but he was also the commentator on the game and uh, keep in mind I never really played basketball I I could dribble I could shoot I wouldn't necessarily make the ball but I mean I could shoot and uh, I generally kinda knew the rules but not really I I was a wrestler you know and and having a wrestler ref a basketball game is not necessarily the smartest thing Uh, but anyway Uh, while they played the game, I started noticing it's actually kind of hard to referee a basketball game, especially if you don't really know what you're doing. So, for example, fouling. um, I was thinking, well, was that a foul? Was it not a foul? And how bad of a foul does it need to be before I call it a foul? And then when do I need to call it? And then there were the problems, too, about whether they're out of bounds or not because you're looking over in one section and someone else goes out over there. It's like you don't necessarily see everything. So... Finally, I just stopped them all and I said, okay, let's try this. You guys call your own fouls. You're, you're seminarians. You shouldn't be lying anyway. So, so just call your own fouls when you foul. And if you go out of bounds, just admit that you went out of bounds and give the other team the ball. And I think things will go a whole lot smoother. Now, if you can't decide on whether you were fouled or not, then I'll be more than happy to give my opinion, which will probably be worse than yours. And, uh, of course, then we started playing the game again, which was really funny when the commentator, uh, he didn't know what he was doing either. So uh, there was one time I remember the ball went flying, hit the backboard, and bounced halfway down the court. So another seminary runs down and grabs the ball, and he he yells out, rebound! You know, so it's like, okay, we didn't know what we were doing. But, so I mention this because I think to a certain degree that's what God wants for us. He wants us to be able to have... Uh, some basic understanding of the rules and some trust with one another and the ability to help one another to be able to play by the rules, but also to get along and, and to uh, kind of have a fraternal uh, connection with one another as we do that. You know, that that's God's intention. Now, in the office, when I'm trying to get work done, uh, sometimes there are leaf blowers that go and you've heard the leaf blower, like, I can't think, I can't do anything. As soon as the leaf blower comes on, I'm like, I'm giving up, I'm going to do something different. But there's another noise that I hear from time to time, and that's when school starts. And that's the noise of kids playing. And so kids are out there, and when they're playing, they could be yelling and screaming, it does not matter, I, I don't care in a bit. You know, it's, it's kind of a pleasant sound. I could actually listen to kids playing, and uh, it's, it's kind of a nice sound. But... I also, at one point, I remembered reading about how important it is for kids to be able to play together, uh, because there are certain things that happen in, in that dynamic. So some things that happen are they learn how to make rules, and they learn to agree on rules. They learn how to police their own rules, and they learn how to be able to adjust to those things. And when parents or teachers intervene too often before they can establish those relationships, and they can establish... Uh, the way of doing that they, they, they might miss out on some life lessons on how to do this when they get older And so that play period is so important for kids And so I'm glad I actually like the sound of it as well But this is all true I think there, there, there are going to be times when there are going to be disagreements And sometimes those disagreements are just based on different perceptions You know like one person believes one thing another person believes something else And there's no real sin involved, it's just a disagreement about perception. But what happens when there's sin involved? And what happens when someone needs to be corrected? Well, we have a bit of a description of that in Ezekiel. And so Ezekiel is talking about the responsibility that we all have, that when we see people living in a sinful way that is not for their good, that will be destructive for them, that we do have an obligation to try to help them, to try to correct them in a way that will bring them around so that they will live in a way that is more aligned with God's law and they will be healthier and happier and will live. And so uh, it mentions that if we see something but we don't say anything or if we don't do anything, then we bear a bit of a responsibility. We'll be judged for that. Uh, But if we do what we can then even if they don't decide that they're going to change or turn from that, that at least we could say we did our part and we won't be judged for our lack of action in those moments. Now, sometimes, of course, it's the opposite. You know, other people need to correct us and sometimes we need to correct them. But it's done in a spirit of fraternity and seeing what is best for the person and trying to help them to live according ...to the objective standards of God's law, and also to do it for their benefit and for our benefit... ...and for all of our benefit as brothers and sisters. Now, Jesus is kind of taking it a bit further, and as he does, he's talking about a bit of the process. And so the first part is just, well, do something. And now Jesus is saying, well, this is how we can do something. And there are certain lessons that he gives... And the first one is avoid gossip. Now, gossip is one of those things that is very common. It happens all the time. And we're just kind of used to it. Um, I actually did a bit of a search trying to figure out what's the big gossip story right now. And anyway, there are a bunch of different gossip stories. But here's one that I found. uh, That there's a singer called Miley Cyrus. And uh, she's got a, a dad named Billy Ray Cyrus. And Billy Ray, I remember, he played country music. And I know Miley's a pop singer, and anyway, but apparently, Billy Ray Cyrus has a girlfriend that he's thinking of marrying, and her name is Fire Rose. All right, now, in where I grew up, no one would name their kid Fire Rose because it sounds too close to Fire Hose, and that would be a problem, <laughs> but apparently, that's her name, Fire Rose, and uh, according to this gossip site, uh, Miley doesn't like them, and she's trying to break up their marriage. All right. First of all, I don't believe it. You know, but the second thing that I was thinking is like, who cares about this stuff? You know, it's like, I've never met Miley. I've never met Billy Ray. I don't know Fire Rose. Um, Why would I care what they're doing? I would just hope that whatever they do, it would be according to God's plan and kind of leave it at that. But I really don't have much of an investment in that type of thing. You know, but gossip is one of those things that it's just all around us and we hear it all the time. And sometimes we think, well, I can never say anything about someone else. Now, that's not necessarily true. Uh, because, for example, it's a very good thing for me to talk about the good things people are doing. And sometimes we, uh, sometimes we notice that, that people uh, may do things that are uplifting. And so we should be talking about those things. But it's the other type of things that, that uh, are more dangerous and more destructive you know, and that's when people are using gossip to slander people, or to show the worst in others so that we could say, well, look how great I am, I don't do these things, you know, I'm not like, like Miley, you know, but anyway, I think that's part of it, one is it makes us think we're better than we are, and somehow above judgment, at the same time, we're condemning others, and, and tearing them down in a way that is destructive to them, and their family, and their friends, so in the Ten Commandments that we have, and these are the commandments that we're supposed to live by, there are several of those commandments that either directly or indirectly address gossip. Uh, so, for example, you shall not kill. And you might think, well, what does that have to do with it? Well, you're destroying someone's reputation. You know, or you shall not lie, you know, bear false witness. Well, you know, gossip does that. It's bearing false witness. We don't know all the facts. We don't know what is going on in the life of the person. And when we're gossiping, we are bearing false witness against them. Also, there are other commandments about coveting. And, well, part of it is that we are coveting something different that we don't want them to have. So all these commandments actually have a a certain connection in that. Stealing, you know, do not steal. Well, we're kind of stealing someone's reputation. And so gossip is really destructive. And it's also one of those sins that is easily overlooked because everyone does it. And so I think one of the first lessons we learn is that, okay, we can get better in this department, and so we can try, make it an active, uh, an active uh, desire that we're going to do what we can to avoid gossip. All right, the next thing that Jesus talks about is he says, when someone sins against you, go to talk to them alone. And so in other words, when Deacon Roley so offended me yesterday, you know, the first thing I did is I just told everybody in the church what Deacon Roley did, right? So like, well, that's not what he's asking. You know, what, it, what we're supposed to do is, is, you know, not, not really explode the situation, but, but to go and talk to the person, but, but do it in a way of friendship, fraternity, and loving concern for the person, uh, just as Deacon Rowley needs to do that with me. And this builds relationship. It's an interpersonal approach. And I don't know if this has happened to you multiple times, but it has happened to me multiple times that people I know, people I love, people I respect, have talked to me personally, in a loving manner, in a concerned manner, they said, Mike, you, you are doing this and that and, and, and you probably shouldn't or there's another way you can do this. And it's out of concern and their love for me. So that might be my parents, my aunts, my uncles, my cousins, my brother. Um, it could be friends of mine, fellow priests. And it's good for us to have those people in our lives. People who call us to a certain responsibility and accountability, but do it in a way that is... is you know, We know that they love us, they're interested in our well-being, and they're trying to help us to be able to live a better life. You know? So we need those kinds of friends. And so that's what Jesus is getting at. Uh, sometimes, though, it just so happens that, that we may make a, a good attempt in a loving way to try to help someone for their sake because of their well-being, and uh, maybe they don't fully understand it at the time, maybe they don't appreciate it, or maybe it just doesn't work. So what do we do in those moments? Well, there is uh, something that I was reading in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13. This is the one that says, like, love is patient, love is kind, but it gets to the end of that, and it says, love bears all things, believes all things, love honors, no, it's not honors, hopes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. So anyway... That combination, sometimes people say, well, what do you mean believes all things? Does that mean we're just supposed to believe everything? And what it really means is that we are supposed to give people the benefit of the doubt. You know, that we, uh, we try to do our best to understand that, okay, I, want, I need to give them the benefit of the doubt. And, you know, married couples know this, that if they're always looking for the worst in one another, they're gonna find it. If we're always looking for the worst in one another, we're going to find the worst, and we're going to live bitter, angry, and cynical lives. And so this is a way that we can actively love in a way that looks for the best and encourages the best in others. And so we keep that in mind. But when it gets to the point where it just doesn't seem that anything that we're trying to do uh, is showing any kind of fruit, then we can take a step back and we we can say, okay, all I can do at this point is show a good example, and I can pray for the person. And odds are, all of us have people who have stepped back and they're trying to show a good example to us and they're trying to pray for us. And so it's, it's, it's good for people to be praying for one another in this way. And then also, uh, there's a question, what does it mean? We just cut them off and throw them to the curb? It doesn't mean that. Because when Jesus says, treat them as you would a Gentile or a tax collector, well, okay, how did Jesus treat the Gentiles and the tax collectors? You know, he had an open door for them, and when they were ready to return, the door was there and they could return. And so, in other words, we just kind of have an open door, do what we can to uh, help reconcile uh, whatever hurts may have happened, and, you know, not engage in sinful practices, not enable people to be able to do that. But when the time comes, you know, that we're not going to hold it over their heads, that we're going to be open, we're going to forgive, and we're going to do what we can to reconcile. And so this is a real practical thing that Jesus is giving us today. And uh, maybe something that we can all practice a little better. And so in this next week, maybe we can just spend a a little time, first of all, asking the Lord to help us to be aware of the areas in our lives where we need to change, where we can be more faithful, where we can live the gospel a little more uh, fully. And when people are, are calling us to some sort of responsibility or accountability, we'll be open to that type of conversion. And then also see where we might be able to encourage others uh, for their own sake and for their benefit uh, to live a more godly life and to be able to have the blessings that come with an active life of faith. And then also we can ask through our prayer that the Lord give us through the Holy Spirit the ability to discern, the ability to have the wisdom that we need, and the ability to have the understanding so that we can have that fraternity that God wants us to have. And as we do that, of course, we understand that God can do what we can't. So even if we've done what we can, we lift the rest of it up to the Lord and ask Him to accomplish His plan. It really is a great recipe for life. And maybe in this week we might put a little effort into asking God to help us to do that. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. May God bless you and be with you as you live out your faith and serve the Lord this week.